Hello and welcome to Chandra's Tales. Today we will be reading the story called Virtus Politico. Virtus Politico. The divide and rule policy still seems to survive even after more than half a century of independence. Our country witnessed the Holocaust of partition in 1947 and again it was engulfed in another communal frenzy, the post-demolition madness of Babri Masjid in 1992. However, the year 2000 brought a new millennium and a new hope. There was a smell of fear in the air and a silence that was deafening. Pappu Khan heard his heartbeat that drowned any other sound that his ears were straining to hear. Like a hounded animal trapped and paralyzed with dread, his mind registered running footsteps, growing nearer and louder. Jubilant cries of victory, the howl of a small helpless child. the swish of a blade as it found as it found its mark all this and the frenzied laughter of the killers were permanently etched on his mind billu's pinched face frozen with fright floated in front of his eyes each time pappu tried to shut them in an attempt to forget that july morning when the mindless maniacal crowd had come rushing towards them he had remained concealed behind the run down shiv mandir and watched in paralyzed horror the butchering of his 10 year old brother billu and his chacha yusuf what a contradiction the rampaging mobs had never thought that pappu would have taken shelter in a temple well if god did exist then why this injustice what had this poor little brother done to be killed in this merciless manner why hadn't god intervened and killed those rioters instead He could still hear the cries of jubilation as each one had plunged his knife into Billu's tiny frame. Pappu could feel the cold steel blade twist in his own heart. "I will take revenge, Billu. I will. I promise," he whispered to himself as tears of helpless rage fell unchecked from his large angry eyes. That fateful morning had been like any other, the azure blue sky calmly painting yet another uneventful day ahead. They had heard exultant whispers of the murder of Ram Gopal, the dreaded criminal, and a history sheeter wanted in the earlier riots. This had seemed more of a wish fulfillment, as there had been many among them who desired an early end to his activities. They had been too young to remember the post-Babri Masjid demolition riots that had engulfed the entire country and hadn't spared even sleepy little villages and towns such as theirs in the mad communal frenzy. Papu had been barely 5 or 6 years old and had a faint recollection of running away in a panic from his house and taking shelter in the masjid. Women and children were barricaded inside one room and told not to make any noise. Billu had been an infant then, whimpering with fear. Amma had quickly put him to her breast and that had quieted him. There were some women who had pointed out that they might never leave alive as the rampaging mobs were torching down all mosques. He remembered being glad of the time when Abba had returned and they had gone back to their house. Things had never been the same afterwards and Abba would be gone for days and return only in the stealth of the night. Amma was terrified as she had been told that the police were rounding up all the men, possible suspects in the communal conflagration. They had learned fear very early on in their childhood and like hunted animals they took precautions before leaving home. With fresh elections announced there was renewed hope that justice would be done. The criminals who had mercilessly killed and set fire to their shops and houses would be arrested and hanged.
their leaders had promised them justice if they voted them to power like so many promises this one was also forgotten and their leaders feigned helplessness we haven't formed the government and you know how the other party works they will only protect people like ram gopal they watched with growing rage as the men of the community who had been booked for arson and murder were sentenced to life imprisonment but ram gopal went scot free and emerged as a leader of the anti social elements of the town it was appalling he would extort money and no woman would who caught his fancy was safe why did everyone turn a blind eye he received patronage from the highest level as he was their henchman and they required people like him to keep the society unsettled they wanted the people to live in fear for the ease of grabbing votes their votes were insignificant and anyway they would never vote for a party known for its open bias against them of late at the high echelons of the party they had begun making secular noises and some members of the community were being given prominent posts however the general feeling was that these individuals had sold out and couldn't be trusted they were more of a window dressing for a party to project a newly acquired tolerant secular image amma told us to be careful but we lived in gaipura in the village what harm could possibly come our way wondered pillu the foolish happy little boy he was so fond of flying kites and staring into the sky hoping hoping for a lovely large kite to fall his way the riots and senseless killings didn't enter his head probably it had been in the hope of finding that immense kite that billu had strayed from the usual path behind the last houses of the village yusuf chacha had been worried yusuf chacha was a little older and much more anxious had called billu to come back but it was too late amma had always feared the worst mused pappu but we had no choice we had to take out the goats of said banarsidas every day in return they were either given atta or rotis depending on the mood of the sithani amma went out with them she worked as a domestic help cleaning and scrubbing the utensils and washing the clothes of the large and extended family of banarsidas cleaning the wheat grain and grinding various masalas were also chores passed on to her she received a pittance for her labor things had become more difficult ever since abba died after prolonged illness pappu teri amma kahan hai it was more of a command to call his mother rather than a question coming from rashid khan he was their unofficial spokesman a congress seva dal worker his mother entered the room silently head bent low he addressed her tomorrow farida bano the minister will be coming to visit we are demanding a compensation of 10 lakh rupees from her for each person who has died he ended rather dramatically he expected some sort of indignation or indignation of gratitude instead amma fell to his feet crying hysterically sobbing and pleading to him to bring her billu back she didn't want the money only her son her thin frame quivered and shook her sorrow this senseless killing of young innocents had shaken her even the most die hard cynical cops however rashid khan appeared unperturbed by all the wailing and tears he had high ambitions maybe the local municipal election ticket this time see how hard he had worked for the party going for all the anti government rallies at the center now that congress was in power in the state he expected to be rewarded 
He was also irritated by Pappu and his mother for not appreciating his efforts in getting them such a large sum of money. His departure left both mother and son alone with Chaukat Chacha. He stroked his head beard thoughtfully and held Pappu close. He sighed deeply. All these netas somehow are the same. Whatever they are, Hindus or Muslims, they are completely inhuman. All this activity is translated into votes. We have to vote for Rashid Khan or we will be branded ungrateful. Beta, we must remain careful. I have heard they are bringing back Ram Gopal's body from Raipur to Bodhi this morning. They will try to kill us and set fire to our houses again. Chacha, how can they when there is curfew in the city and the army has been called out, said Papu. Amma quickly hugged him close to her heart. I will not let them take my only son away from me. They will have to kill both of us together. Papu, you and your Amma go and stay with the Seji for some time. The other men and I will be keeping guard by turns in our area. The Seji is also a very frightened man these days, Chacha. I hear that Shiv Kumar, Rangopal's brother, had come last evening and threatened him with dire consequences if he continued to employ us. You know, he makes and sells bandage saris for which he employs many of our men. Shiv Kumar said that he had better beware and eyed young Shashikala, his 13-year-old daughter, very offensively. Amma ji, ab kaha thi jab? Where had she been? She was being asked. Microphone was thrust near her face. Amma blinked in the accompanying flashlights and stared uncomprehendingly at the woman questioning her. These TV people are like vultures, thought Pappu, as he pushed his way angrily into the overcrowded room. There had been a regular stream of TV journalists coming and prying into their lives, making a mockery of their grief, poverty and fear. He stared sullenly into the camera, putting a protective arm around his mother. Amma huddled closer to him, drawing her old knee to cover her face. Oh, if only they could get back her billu. He loved to watch TV and would have loved being on it. Billu would sit transfixed in front of the Sejji's TV set, till Mataji, Sejji's mother, shooed him away. Amma sat up with a start. The room was in darkness and she was all alone, bereft, crazy with fear and unable to move. Did they manage to get Papu also, those blood-fed monsters with insatiable eyes? Would they never ever be safe again? Where could she hide, keep her sons sheltered? She must run, run. Strong, rough arms held her down and no sound came from her throat, though she was yelling with all her might. Amma, kya hua? Papu was shaking her heart. They clung to each other wordlessly, listening to the sounds of the night, alert as hounded creatures. They sensed that they were not alone in the room, there was somebody else watching them. Kaun hai? called out Amma in a hoarse whisper. Papu's eyes focused on an outline of a man in the darkness. Chaldi chalo, they have set fire to our houses in the other village and now they are coming here. Papu recognized Roshan Bhai. Where do we go? Run to the Sejji's house, that's the safest. With that, Roshan Bhai melted into the darkness and they could hear the screams and shouts of exhilaration coming nearer. The night sky was suddenly lit up with a crimson glow as some houses went up in a blaze. The large gates remained barred and all their urgent banging brought no response. They had almost given up and Papu was planning to run back to the village when the gate opened for a fraction of an inch and both mother and son were rushed in. 
Sitaram, the sage's brother, motioned them to be silent and to follow him. They were led down the stairs to the godown where the sage stored his grain and fodder for his cows. Wordlessly, it was indicated that Pappu and his mother had to stay here till the rampaging mobs had gone away. With rats and other smaller insects for company, Pappu felt safe. He was sure no harm would come to them. Said Banarsi Das was a prominent member of the business community of Bodhi and continued to be contributed to both parties during the elections so long as they let him carry on with his trade in peace. What was that? Loud bangs on the gate accompanied by fierce commands to open the gates at once made Amma crouch over her son in dismay. Some gunshots were heard and a rushing in of footsteps. Where have you kept those people hidden? came a thundering threatening shout. The peaceable voice of Sejis could be heard over the din, telling them to go back, as he had nobody hidden here. It appeared like aeons before Pappu could breathe again, and they heard reluctant feet tramping out, but not before threats of dire consequences were spelt out, as if they were ever to find out any person concealed there. Pappu knew it was middle of the morning because defiant rays of sunlight had forced themselves in through the cracks of the barred window. There was an all-enveloping, eerie silence, as if nobody at all existed in the world. There was no way Pappu could go out. Sitaram had locked them from outside, as stores are normally locked. Opening the window could lead to trouble, as anybody keeping a watch on the house would see. Heavy footsteps could be heard, and the key turned in the lock. Sitaram peered in, adjusting his eyes to the darkness. Chup rehna. All is not well. Many houses have been burned down, including yours. We don't know how many are dead. Ram Gopal's body has been handed over to his family and cremated. We hope that after all this madness, these things will abate. The army has been called out and many have died amongst them too. Since they are going into the villages, maybe it will take some time for things to settle. I have brought some rotis. I may not be able to come again today. With that, the doors are bolted and the key gratingly turned again in the lock. Amma, kya hoga? whispered Pappu despairingly to the still form of his mother. There was an answering pressure of her hand, but no sound emerged from her throat. She lay inert, almost dead. She gestured for, gestured for silence as they heard faint sounds of a motorcycle entering stealthily into the compound, muffled footsteps of the door creaking open. The sound was almost deafening to Pappu's frightened ears. A blinding beam of torchlight waved over the crouched forms hiding behind the stacks of bags of grain. Jaldi chalo, the fierce commanding whisper brooked no argument, and Pappu found himself being pushed roughly outside. In the starlit night, he felt again naked and exposed, helpless, only obeying commands. As he was moving towards the motorcycle, a muffled yelp broke from his amma. She wouldn't let him go alone. Chupkar, they are looking for you too. They have burned down one of Sate's factories. Amma, you can remain hidden inside the house. Pappu will have to go to Bodhi. There in the city, things are still under control, but the villages remain unsafe. From the gruff voice and the dim outline, Pappu realized it was Gopi Bhai who had come for him. Amma let him go reluctantly. He shuddered as a night breeze struck his face, and they sped to their destination in the city, taking unfamiliar roads. The dirty, dilapidated, woe-begone police station resembled a war fortress. It was bristling with uniformed men, all in riot gear. Vehicles were zooming in and out. 
there were endless commands shouted out to the weary force. Wireless sets crackled, demanding more men, notifying of more dead and fearing far more. The SP sat watched with glow, bloodshot, weary, sleepless eyes, the female journalist who sat across him. The bags under his eyes were reminders that despite all desire to keep awake, when they closed involuntarily, the nightmares were worse than the reality. The flames had engulfed his parents, wife and son. Their blood-curdling shrieks had left him shivering and paralyzed. He had been a mute spectator as the flames had turned into demons, dancing with glee, mocking at his impotence. Prabhanu stared sightlessly at the city-bred, Delhi-based reporter and wished she would disappear so that he could get on with his work. He noted the look of displeasure and irritation on her face as he continued to shout commands in his hoarse and cracked voice over the wireless and didn't focus all his attention on the patrikar. She was used to being the sinosure of all eyes, tall with a flawless skin and commanding personality. She had seen men, powerful men, turn to jelly by her penetrating questions and he sighs of relief at her smile. Who did this short, thin cop think he was? She would do such coverage that he would never, ever forget her. His voice had become rasping and cracked. He just wanted to be left alone to get on with his work. To make matters worse, the State Minister of Welfare, Farida Bano, was planning to visit the riot-affected areas and meet the displaced people. This lady was obviously upset because she had been kept waiting by the cops. The SP's attitude was just as infuriating as he waved her aside with contempt. Write what you wish. I have to rush. With that, he stepped into his car and vanished from sight, leaving her facing the mocking grins of loutish cops and their almost lewd comments. Well, she would tell them that all this rioting was due to police and intelligence failure. The police hadn't taken the death threats to Ram Gopal's life seriously. Nor did they note his murder, the local SHO claiming that it was all a matter of local rivalry, till things went out of control. She would tell her editor, a cynical old man who disliked everyone, and especially the police, that it was entirely due to police ineffectiveness that so many lives had been lost. The CM appeared grim, or as close to it as was possible for a person with a permanently vacant expression, as he inspected the burnt huts, shops, and other signs of destruction. He tried to take, make them soothing sounds to the hysterical heap on the floor, finding it had little or no effect. Each person dead in the riots will be paid a compensation of 1 lakh rupees, he announced with a flourish. This was met with smiles of gratitude on the faces of his accompanying sycophants. Rashid Khan tried to move what looked like a heap of clothes from the ground and claimed loudly and ingratiatingly, Now, you must stop weeping. CM Sahab has done so much for you. The heap of rags raised itself and with wild, red, tear-swollen eyes cried, Mera billu, billu kaha hai? Everyone became uncomfortable and a female constable pulled the woman roughly from the path of the CM. Manu Joshi's eyes looked disapprovingly at the SP. Joshiji, as he was popularly called, was a trusted aide of the chief minister. His look indicated the SP was going to be hauled up for yet another sin of omission. Prabhanu collapsed in his chair. The CM's visit had gone off relatively uneventfully, barring the exhibition of Billu's amma. He looked at the long list of people he, he was expected to call back and report to, beginning with DG, the Home Secretary, and then ending with his DIG. They gave their orders over the wireless, not realizing that it was almost impossible to get through from Bodhi to Raipur. 
the phone lines existed only on paper, and if by chance they did get connected, most often they got the reply, Sahab's busy in a meeting, or Sahab's gone out. Well aware of the fragile egos of the men of Raipur, Prabhanu wondered what his fate would be once things died down here in Bodhi. Already, he had been reprimanded by the IG Law and Order for his tactless handling of the female journalist. The news item had received front-page publicity and very clearly blamed the ineffective police for the riotous situation. Try hard as he would, playing up to the media or politicians was not his forte, and he thought rather naively that his work would speak for itself. Prabhanu was wary to a point where nothing seemed to matter. His eyes were closing on their own. There he, he was running, running as fast as he could, with an almost dead child in his hands, hoping to get away from the frenzied crowd. He must reach home to safety. His house was silhouetted against the flames, a haven safe from the chaos outside. His throat was parched. He could see a solitary flame leap up and slowly settle on his house. He must rush faster, put out the fire before it caused any further destruction. Someone was pulling him back. He jerked off the restraining hand roughly. Sahab, kya hua? The concerned face of Shagat Singh, his orderly, appeared before him. He realized that he had been crying in his sleep. Instantly alert, he was back to the delicate job of balancing the rioting and trying to please his masters in Raipur. Reality was probably a degree worse than his nightmares. Papu Khan watched with gritted teeth how his amma was being pushed outside on the TV. Every day, the Bodhi riots were covered on the local news in gruesome detail, as if people living in the safety of their homes delighted in watching the death and destruction of others. It satiated some sadistic streak in their minds, which went under the guise of investigative journalism. Private channels outdoing each other in filming the gory details. It only added to his determination to seek justice and revenge. The weather was just right, pleasantly cool in the anticipation of winter. The roads were festooned with colourful banners. There was sudden movement among the group of people who had gathered there, waiting patiently for their leader to come. An elderly bearded man arrived with folded hands and was received by a tall, thin young man. Are Pappu, sab theek hai? This was a coded message. Rashid Khan had wanted some of his detractors taught a lesson. A whispered conversation followed. The police have caught Arif and Sohail claiming that they killed Ram Narayan. Don't worry, we will have them out on bail, and the cops will not be able to prove the case. A satisfied nod, and he was on the mic, exhorting the people to vote the present government out for its failure to look after the needs of the common man, and particularly those of the minority community. This was greeted with loud shouts of approval. Papu Khan, the innocent helpless child of a decade ago, had now metamorphosed into a respected local leader the youth wing of the Congress. The other leader sitting in Raipur depended on, depended on him and his henchmen to get their inconvenient jobs done. Come elections, he was much in demand as a fundraiser since he extracted the donations more by threat than persuasion. Said Banarsi Das smiled as he saw him coming. Aao, Papu Khan, Sahab, kya hal hai? However much Papu tried to act grim and rude with the Sethji, the memories of that fateful night checked him from allowing his henchmen to harass this old and benign man. Teri Amma kaisi hai? The image of Amma withered and old before her time, who lived more in the past and who confused Munna, her grandson, with Billu, brought back his latent animosities. 
said G. This time you will not get away by just giving us a paltry fifty thousand rupees. We know you give double that amount to the other man. I will do as you say. You will vote for Rashid Khan, and you will not give any donations to the other party. Papu, do you want my business to shut down? All your friends will be unemployed. Do you want the repeat of all that senseless killing and burning? A sudden silence fell as both of them went back to those traumatic times when, for months together, the village had witnessed insane acts of carnage, when an otherwise peaceful people behaved like the hunted and the hunter in turns. The bitterness and distrust had not disappeared with time. It was only held at bay for the political convenience of the leader sitting comfortably in Raipur. They were mere pawns in this game of power-hungry men. The older man sighed and patted him on the shoulder. Forget the past. Billu's face, paralyzed with fear, floated back, jerking him to the promise he had made to his little brother. Sadji, how can I ever forget Billu being slaughtered? There were angry tears running unchecked down his cheeks now. I will never forget nor rest till I have revenge. I know who those people are. Haven't most of them left the village? So what? They have just shifted to nearby towns. Easy enough to trace when the time is ripe. People are really scared of you, huh, Papu? In fact, the other day Nandlal, the minister, was trying to get some settlement in a land deal. You managed to get the tenants to move. Papu Khan is quite a name in these parts. How much did he give you? That man is known to be a miser. Well, no man can cheat me and still walk. Just be careful, Papu Khan. Don't let history repeat itself. The old man's face was lined with anxiety as he watched Papu Khan zoom off on his newly acquired mobike. He just shook his grey old balding head and suddenly shivered uncontrollably. There was a loud banging on the main gates and he could hear the chowkidar telling them to go away. Said Banarasi Das, despite his age and weight, ran agilely down the steps. He could hear the voices grow more impatient and angry. "Kaun hai?" "Sahab Hari Ram," replied the chowkidar. appearing worried let him in hari ram was distantly related to ram gopal and had taken on the leadership in his absence he hated pappu khan and there were any number of skirmishes between them when they just nearly missed killing each other the town would probably breathe easier if both were out of the way hari ram entered and surveyed the grounds with suspicious eyes then grinned slowly finally the victory is ours said banarasi das looked at him impassively I don't understand. Don't act so naive. Finally that pappu of yours, he's finished. More of Ram Hari Ram's henchmen pushed open the gates and there were shouts of celebration. They were carrying long torches of fire and appeared to look forward to a night of arson and a frenzy of killing. Hari Ram, restrain your men. Listen to an old man's advice. Stay back. Stay back. Pleaded Sage helplessly. With shouts of jai ho, the pack disappeared into darkness. There were rumors that Pappu Khan, the history sheeter, had been stabbed. There was panic and fear among the people, but some were openly rejoicing, mocking and taunting with large tilaks on their foreheads, doing a war dance of victory. When from under the cloak of darkness, a tall thin figure appeared and drove his knife in again and yet again. Blood-curdling shrieks mingled with the yells of triumph. The dementia similar in both. Over there. the cries of the anguish of an all innocence lost of the despair that follows cynicism